All right. The end of the Keystone extension, Keystone XL. Uh, you heard the announcement yesterday by TransCanada and the provincial government. Uh, our government, of course, sunk $1.3 billion into that project uh, and in the end got nothing for it. So uh, that's one discussion around this. What does it mean for the pipeline sector uh, and the economy in our province going forward. We just heard from one guest who said things are going pretty well, actually. Our next guest takes the other position. Markham Hislop argues that this is the death of the age of the oil pipeline. Markham, uh, not one for hyperbole, you, but uh, the death of the age of the oil pipeline because of this announcement? Well, Shay, uh, let me clarify and explain. <laughs> I don't think, in in my opinion, I don't think we will see another crude oil pipeline built between Canadian provinces or from Canada into the U.S. And let me illustrate why with the example of the Energy East pipeline, because there's been a a lot of calls lately to resurrect that project. So the Canadian Energy Research Institute says that on average it takes nine years to review and approve a new pipeline. Then it takes another three to four years to build a pipeline of that size. So that means that Energy East would come into service roughly around 2035. So what's happening in 2035 in eastern Canada? Well, Quebec, that's the date that Quebec is banning the sale of new gasoline-powered cars. And I w- and not only that, Quebec leads Canada in terms of the adoption of electric vehicles. Ontario, given its pivot, uh, the manu- automakers' pivot to electric vehicle manufacturing, can't be that far behind. That seems like a really, really bad time to be bringing in to service a fifty, a, you know, fifty-year right. piece of energy infrastructure. Which I guess explains why TC Energy, which is the, the proponent, uh, was the proponent of. Keystone Excel, why, why they haven't put the project back on the table. Yeah, exactly. So I think, okay, so the argument you're making is not that we're not going to see uh, pipelines being utilized in North America. It's just we're not going right. to see any new ones utilized. That's exactly right. And then you add on top of that that the oil sands, which is the only sector in the oil and gas, in the oil industry that's, that could possibly expand production, uh, is really shifting from extensive growth where you grow supply, you grow production, to intensive growth where they try to get more value out of the, uh, the bitumen that they do produce. And we saw that, you know, just last week, Suncor released yep. its net zero to 50. And one of the things it said, it didn't get a lot of attention, but it sure caught my eye in their investor presentation, is that they are not growing uh, production anymore. They're going to they produce about eight hundred thousand barrels a day, and that's where they're going to stay. And they're going to concentrate on making more money out of that eight hundred thousand barrels a day. So, bring put all that together with you know the well publicized opposition to pipeline projects from environmentalists and First Nations and communities and and so on. I I, I would be absolutely shocked if a pipeline uh, company put a new project on the table anytime in in the uh... hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine plus now through may 31st we'll give you five dollars for every 20 you spend on armor all products that means car wash pods protectant tire shine you name it Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. 
Terms apply. In the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think you make a good point there, Mark. I mean, it's not just Suncor. It was all of the big oil sands producers that announced their um, zero gas emissions by 2050. They're all on board. CNRL, Synovus, Imperial Oil, all of them. Um, And they're talking more about carbon sequestration. We heard the hydrogen announcement. So it looks like this long-talked-about energy transition and being part of it and being a leader in that might be starting to happen in Alberta now. Well, you know, I wrote the book in 2019. I, I wrote the book, uh, The Future of the, the New Alberta Advantage Technology Policy in the Future of the Oil Sands, in which I, I predicted that this was going to be the trend. And, and here we are, you know, in, uh, only two years later, and we've seen uh, it's even arrived faster than I thought. And there's another, uh, you, you know, you, you referenced the, um, the uh, initiative that was announced yesterday by the oil sands mm-hmm. companies. Uh, and one of the point, the fine, it's kind of in the fine print, but they said, yes, there's going to be oil demand, you know, for a long time yet, decades yet, but it's increasingly going to be used for making things. So we're talking about carbon fiber, which is something that Alberta Innovates is, is working really hard on right now and expects to have maybe a carbon fiber plant in five to seven years. We're talking about plastics and other petrochemicals. We're t- that's the direction the industry is going in, and very clearly the, the, this industry recognizes it and is, is trying, and with that announcement yesterday, in my opinion, has leapfrogged a lot of other countries' industries in terms of making that pivot to the low-carbon future. And, you know, you and I have talked about this uh, before, Shay, and, and I've been very skeptical and kind of critical of the industry, and all of a sudden just with a snap of the fingers, they've, you know, they're headed in the right direction now. Yeah, you know what, Markman, I think it's another polarized discussion that we have in this province, and I don't think it should be, and I don't think it needs to be, because, um, you know, a lot of people out there are just sort of like drill, baby, drill. And if you, if you don't want the oil, then let them freeze. And, you know, you can't run your cars and you can't heat your house. And all that's very true. And that's understandable. But we're in the middle of a transition. The oil industry seem to recognize it. The government is coming on board and talking about a bunch of new things. So it's not like it's a doom and gloom story. There's some positive aspects to this transitional economy if Alberta gets involved. And it looks like we are. Let me explain why all Albertans should get behind this in a big way. The uh, Alberta oil and gas industry uh, writ large, but the oil sands in particular, is has really rapidly matured. It's a mature industry now. And one of the ways that it's driving down costs is to adopt these new digital technologies like artificial intelligence and automation and robotics. And, you know, I interviewed last year, I interviewed Lance Mortlock from Ernst & Young, who had done a, a report that estimated that 50,000 jobs in the Canadian oil and gas industry, most of them in Alberta, would be lost by 2040. And then I talked to other people who are working in the industry, like uh, Dave Shook, who's an engineer, uh, who actually is working on automation uh, automated projects. And he said, oh, no, it'll happen way before that. We might even see it as early as 2025. So my point is that the industry as it's structured now is going to be shedding thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. Where are we going to replace them? How are we going to replace them? Well, this new direction, let's, you know, let's build carbon fiber plants and let's uh, get into hydrogen and let's do all of these other kinds of things. You know, let's build renewable wind and solar and, and maybe some uh, small modular reactors. There's lots of other things that can, that can work in conjunction with the oil sands to replace the jobs that are going to be uh, that are going to be lost through uh, through these uh, new digital technologies. So 
it really is in the best interest of everybody to get on board with this new strategy because clearly uh, supporting the status quo and resisting change uh, is just not going to work. No, it's not. You're going to be you're going to be the blockbuster video when Netflix hits the market. Essentially, is what's going to happen. Everybody's going to move past you. We have seen this. We have seen this uh, this movie before. Yeah, uh, we know how this plays out. And uh, I think the uh, the oil sands companies, uh, you know, have, uh, are worried about this, and they see the opportunity to make the pivot now, which is excellent. That that's really good news that they do it sooner rather than later. But you know what? Uh, the policy and regulate, regulatory framework around this, this pivot, uh, I hear over and over again from the experts I interview in different, you know, like in North America and, and Europe, is policy and regulation is really, really important to the transition. And policy and regulation depends on politicians. And politicians need to know that they're not too far out in front of their voters. So, you know, what Albertans think about this it really does matter yeah, because right. it essentially gives permission to the politicians to to make the changes that are required to support what the oil sands companies want to do. To move in that direction, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Thanks very much, Markham. Always appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. That is Markham Hislop.